Is God a part of his creation? That's the question we're going to discuss today on the Hero of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Brian Dembozik, Managing Editor of The Gospel Project, and with me is Aaron Armstrong, our brand manager. So if you listen to the last episode where we talked about God is eminent, we really emphasized how God is present in his creation. He's active and involved in his creation. Today, though, Aaron, we're turning that around. Yeah. And we're looking at God is transcendent, which is is the partner doctrine with the eminence of God. So why don't you start us off by kind of reading what this doctrine is in our 99 Essential Doctrines, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I just love the fact that I get to read all the big words. It's super fun. And you think I chose this format by accident? Of course not. Of course not. All right. So God's transcendence refers to the fact that he is distinct from and independent of his created world. He is transcendent. His tra- he is transcendent over us in regard to his greatness and power, as well as his goodness and purity. The implication of this doctrine is that he is inherently superior to humanity. His thoughts and ways are higher than ours. And when God saves us, he restores us so that we can fulfill our human purpose. This does not mean we become God or that distinctions between God and humanity are obliterated. Understanding God's transcendence should evoke awe and wonder at his goodness and power. All right. So that was a mouthful, which is why I have you read them. Absolutely. But the big idea behind this, though, is is actually pretty simple. Mm -hmm. God, you could actually sum it up this way. God is involved in our lives, but God is not like us. Yes. God is involved in the world, but he is not a part of it. And he we, exists outside of. And in Christ, we are joined together with him, but we do not become exactly. like him. Yeah. Exactly. And so we see this doctrine all over the place in scripture. So really, when we think of, of God as eminent, we think of, of pulling God close to us. Not literally, of course, but yes. thinking in our thinking. When we think of God's transcendence, we put kind of a wall there. Yeah. And they work hand in hand. So where do we see this doctrine in Scripture? Well, I'll throw out the first place. It's it's a passage I really enjoy um, found in Job 9. And in Job 9, what's happening is uh, Job uh, is, is struggling with what happened to him, uh, losing his possessions, losing his family except for his wife. Um, his three quote unquote friends are there trying to convince him that surely he had sinned in some way to bring this upon himself. And this is where, you know, early he does not turn from God, but he's starting to slip in that he's, he thinks, well, God made a mistake. Mm -hmm. That's why this is happening because God made a mistake. If I can only tell God about this and we could make things right, he would, you know, he would acknowledge, oh, wait a minute, I goofed. And that's what God's going to hold him accountable for later. But here in Job 9, as he's defending himself and he's kind of bemoaning this fact that there's this, there's this mistake that's been made, but I can't clear it up. Yeah. He says this of God. He says, for he, meaning God, is not a man like me that I can answer him that we can take each other to court. In other words, Job is, is, is understanding, acknowledging there's a separation between him as a creature and God as creator, that we are not on an even playing field. Yeah. And Isaiah 55 doubles down on this in verses eight and nine, um, where um, where 
God is saying, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Um, basically, again, I've used this phrase. I use this phrase almost every episode, it feels like. But he's, God is constantly saying how I think, how I understand things is so much bigger than yeah. you and it's too big for you to comprehend. I I am letting you understand things to the degree that you can understand things. It's like the world's greatest mathematician teaching his young son how to add. Correct. That's a great way to describe it. It totally different. I mean that that kid thinks he's understanding math totally different. Yes. Scales. Yes. Another passage is Romans 11, 33 through 36. And let me give the background for mm-hmm. this one as well. So Romans begins uh, walking through the problem of sin, mm-hmm. uh, that we all stand condemned because of sin, and then the provision of Jesus. So for, so Paul is unpacking the gospel itself. And then in, it takes us up about through chapter 8 or so. Then in chapters 9, 10, and 11, chapters that are a little bit more challenging. Um, some of you may have been in churches where those were skipped over in a preaching series <laughs> uh, through Romans. Because uh, then 12 begins with the application. But this is where Paul is wrestling with, with the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of, of mankind, specifically in light of Israel. Yes. Well, well how, do, how do we explain Israel falling away and being rejected by God in light of all of this? And so as Paul interacts with this, and it's still a headache-inducing passage, yeah. um, this is what he concludes. And he's just lifting up the sovereignty of God, That and he's wrestling with this. Well, this is a mystery for us. This is a riddle for us, but it's not for God. And this is his, um, he, he breaks out into a doxology here at the end of chapter 11 before he transitions to the practical application 12 following. And this is what he says. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor and who has ever given to God that he should be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. In other words, Paul just kind of throws up his arms in praise and says, man, I've got a headache right now, but this is not a mystery for God. Who can understand God? Right. And And for Paul, it's not an excuse to be like, oh, this is just terrible. This is unfair. Right. This just crushes my faith. It feeds his faith. Yeah. And the other thing that it doesn't do is it doesn't make him stop trying to understand these Good things. Good point. And, um, and, we'll, and we'll get to that more um, in a different, in when we start thinking about how this doctrine changes how we live. Yeah. But, um, there, you know, but there are so many other passages that speak to this too. I mean, even Genesis 1, yeah. uh, Genesis 1, 1 gets right to it. In the beginning, God. God was already there at the beginning, meaning God was not part of creation. Yeah, and he just not says that as a matter of fact, and it just moves yeah, on. It's like it's like it doesn't give a it doesn't give an account of his beginning. Let me um, blow your mind. God is eternal. Right. Let me just say that in one verse and then move on and right. not even try to explain exactly. it. Exactly. It's massive. Um you see that but you see this in the Psalms, you see it through the prophets, you see it through throughout the epistles. Um Revelation is um I mean even before I get to Revelation, I mean, if you you think those weird 
visions that that Ezekiel had. Those those are a good indicator when he's seeing these heavenly beings that don't make sense to him. Um, that um, some folks have uh, tried to describe as being aliens, uh, which is really flying funny. saucers, flying and- saucers, and whatnot. Um, the these are good indicators, reminders for us that um, that the these transcendent these transcendent beings these beings that are not like us they're they're too much for us to actually properly comprehend and understand um isaiah's vision of of the lord seated on his throne in isaiah yeah. 6 is another picture of the transcendence of god that he is um brilliantly white in his like in like not in his ethnicity or anything like that but he's just filled with light yeah um and, it, and you see that with with uh, Daniel, with his image of a, um, his vision of one who is like a son of man, yeah. and you see that in the transfiguration is this picture of the the transcendence of God breaking through. It, it's coupled with his holiness. Yes, uh, transcendence and holiness are are understood together. They're yes. they're cousins, if you will. Yes, um, and and because God is holy. He he is he. There's sin has no part in him. He has no you know sin in him, and, yeah. and so there's a separation. That's that's the idea of holiness, and it connects with the idea of separation and transcendence. Yes. So God is active as in in His creation, imminence, but He is distinct. He is holy from His yes. creation, transcendence, and holiness. Yes. And so, oh, I'm sorry. Before we get there, okay. The the thing that I was going to say is is that ultimately the the transcendence of God and the holiness of God. Um, those those two those two twin realities, um, those are what Paul actually uses in Romans one to levy levy the charge of condemnation against all of humanity. Yeah. Um, he says that um, that all are without without excuse because they um, because people do not worship uh, because people ascribe the value that belongs only to the Creator to, to, the, to creation. the creation. And so it's the, cre- the what some people will call the creator creation distinction is um, is what this doctrine really speaks to. All right. So with that said, let's let's move on to cautions as we strive to understand yes. this doctrine. Aaron, what's one caution that you can think of? Well, one thing that uh, is really important for us to remember in this is is that even though God is distinct from us, um, that He is higher, His ways and His thoughts are higher higher than ours. Um, he's not detached, and He is not uncaring. And so uh, we spoke about this a lot in the in the last episode, but it bears repeating here that um, this doctrine, the transcendence of God and the imminence of God, the nearness of God, the relatableness of God, these need to be held together hmm. and held together closely because both are simultaneously true. And both are both give us this wonderful image and, and should evoke the kind of worship the Roman that we see in Romans 11, yeah. because this God who is so much bigger and so much loftier than we can possibly understand um, deigns to come into reality. He hum he hum it's no mistake that Paul uses the the term humbles himself in in reference to Jesus taking on humanity. Um that there is a humbling of God in involving himself in our lives. 
And that is a, and that is a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. And I think that also, I'll, I'll go a step deeper than that yes. and, and more beautiful even, I would contend, that not only do we have to remember that God is not detached or uncaring when it comes to this doctrine, but also we can't make the mistake of thinking that God doesn't understand us because he is distinct, because he is holy, he is transcendent, that he does understand what we're going through. So it's not just that he steps into and is active in our lives and what's going on, but he understands deeply what we're going through. And what I have in mind here is that Jesus knows that he, Hebrews 4.15 says that we don't have a high priest that's not sympathetic because he knows what it's like. He has been tempted. Uh, He has suffered and so forth. So that's our God. Our God, yes, is distinct. But again, when you couple this with eminence, when you, when you think about Jesus and what he did, what he experienced, we have a God who is holy, who is above us, who blows our minds over and over again, who is all powerful. You just go down the list of things that we just make us go slack jawed over. And that same God, though, experienced suffering, experienced um, trials and tribulation as we do and so understands that's a great comfort so we have mm-hmm. to be careful not to divorce his awareness of our situations with this doctrine yeah absolutely and um and really this this all feeds into the differences that this doctrine should should make and um and i mean hopefully it's been clear all throughout already how um how really this doctrine is, is a key part of the gospel um, mm-hmm. itself. Um, we've um, we've hit that again and again in just in this conversation that um, God took on human flesh and he came into the world and he suffered um, for us so that we could be with him. That's a big deal. And so that that again, that should lead us to remember um, like to to respond in in worship, in yep. in awe, in devotion. Um, what else should it do, Brian? Well, you know, I, I think it it should give us greater trust in God, um, a reminder that His ways are better than our ways, and that's why I'm grateful that that Paul wrote that doxology in, in Romans 11, mm-hmm. um, because so often, and I've experienced this as I've taught um, groups and so forth, I, I conversations with my kids. And when we rub shoulders with these more challenging aspects of God's, like his transcendence mm-hmm. um, and, and the implications thereof, it's it's really tempting to get frustrated. It's really tempting to be discouraged. It's really tempting to question our faith because we don't understand God. And we start feeling, well, wait a minute, you know, am I really saved? Am I, you know, why don't I? And so, and so it can lead down a bad path. Yeah. But I love how it took Paul in the exact opposite direction. It drove him to worship. Yes. And so he wasn't focused on what he didn't understand about God. He, he focused instead on how great God is. And we worship in light of that. And trust is there as well. That for me, there's so much about things I don't understand. Mm-hmm. But this reminds me that God is bigger than me. He's better than me. And all that I understand is, I mean, he could hold in just the smallest portion of his hand and have plenty of room left over Yeah, in comparison to what he knows, an all-knowing God. And so for me to trust in him, this this gives me comfort. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, one of the other things that um, it should do is is really when we think about this and we think about the fact that the the call that we are given as as followers of Jesus um, is to go into the world and make disciples. Um, the fact that he uses people like us as part of his plan. Um, this is one of those things that it doesn't make sense because we're very often we're a bunch of bum, bumbling fools. Um, I mean, I ta- I trip over my own mouth constantly just on this show. And um, and yet, Lord willing, God is using it to be helpful, hopefully, in your lives. Um, and think about the relationships that, that you have. Um, think about as parents. Um, we are called to we are called to disciple our kids to raise them up in the faith to show to share Jesus with them um, and to show what them what it means to follow Jesus, yeah. which so often means asking them to forgive us when we don't do it well. Um, all of these things that really, I mean, if you're thinking about from our perspective. If you wanted a foolproof plan for evangelism, for leading the world to to to, to Christ, um, honestly, I would not use us. Nope, <laughs> I would not use human beings. You got and a yet, bunch of angels at your disposal. I would have gone there, right? And yet, God did this, and He said that this was the better way. He said this was the best way. That is just mind blowing. And this is all a good part of his plan. And so when we think about that, what, what it should do is it should encourage us to go forward with this message, with confidence that this God who knows better than we do, who knows that, um, yes, we are going to fail. We are going to be insecure, but he also gives us this promise, um, that his word will not return void. It will always accomplish what he purposes it to. That again, again, needs to give us hope and is cause for celebration. Good word. Let's, let's celebrate by ending there. And uh, we'll wrap this up for today. Uh, Thanks, as always, for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you did enjoy this episode, please do leave a sincere five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com. 